You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. I'm so happy to have you listening. We are your relationship mentor. Every Wednesday morning, we come to you on America's Web Radio to provide education about how you can make your relationships better. After all, only you can create your life and your world the way you want it to be. It is my belief that outside of health challenges, almost every problem we have stems from a relationship issue, and this includes the relationship one has with oneself, and we often don't think about that relationship. I have so many patients who spend their day walking hand-in-hand with negative self-talk. There's a great deal of research that has found that negative self-talk creates chronic stress. And did you know that chronic stress upsets the body's hormone balance and it damages the immune system and depletes the brain chemicals required for happiness? Did you know that? So let's do a little exercise together. First of all, get a pen and paper. I'd like you to write down all the negative sentences that you say to yourself. So let's start with three. And next to each item on your list, put the name of the person who told you this. For example, if you had a step-parent who told you that you're stupid, and now you tell yourself you're stupid, write your step-parent's name next to the sentence, I am stupid. Determine... If you liked the person who told you the negative sentence, you keep replaying in your mind. Write yes or no next to the name. Now, I'd like you to take a second, and and you can do this on your own time too, to study your list. Are you treating yourself the same way the person you didn't like treated you? Think about this. Let's consider a possible scenario. Your older brother told you that you were ugly from the day you were born. And now, over the years, he told you that no one would ever want to date you because you were so stupid. In adult life, you hate your brother for the abusive way he interacted with you. Now, you find yourself telling yourself that you are ugly and stupid. You tell yourself that you will never be happy because you are so ugly and stupid. You are now treating yourself the way your stepbrother treated you, and you are being mean to yourself. Your abusive words create chronic stress because your belief that you're stupid causes you to second-guess yourself on every single decision you make. Now, it is you right now who are involved in what I call internal domestic violence. So on the same topic, I just want to note that daylight saving time begins soon, and it's followed by the first day of spring. So work to stop treating yourself 
like your brother treated you in the past. Daylight savings time and spring are times of renewal. For one day this week, every time you talk to yourself in a negative way, replace your sentence with a positive one. I am stupid is replaced with, I have a really great talent. Then give your talent a name. Say it as it is. For example, I love dogs. That's my talent. I'm nice to my neighbor. I'm a kind partner. I give good hugs. Whatever it is that your talent is, and giving good hugs is a talent, by the way, do it. Say that to yourself. In the first week of a new month, give your negative self-talk a vacation and work to stop treating yourself like those you didn't like treated you in your past or present life. Take a break from what I call internal domestic violence. And speaking of negative self-talk, I had so many patients recently who are interacting with geriatric parents. And as you know, um, in a previous program, we talked about the elderly and aging and this just keeps being a theme in my life, so I'm bringing it on the program. Maybe it's a theme in yours, and if it's not, maybe we can just give you some good information for the future. So my, some of my patients report they feel guilty that they don't want to spend time or can't spend enough time with their aging parents. They experience relationship challenges while making the transition from adult child to being the parent of the parent. And all of us, with parents who are still living as they get older and older, become the parent of the parent. Many of them have told me that they just metaphorically beat themselves up because they, their responsibilities have been greatly increased due to aging and needy parents. They're not only guilt-ridden, but they're resentful because they don't want these added responsibilities. And think about that. We all have really busy lives, and then you have a parent who gets disabled or needs a, a, some kind of accommodation, and you don't have time, and of course, it's natural to get resentful. So today, we're going to continue our conversation about elder care, and as I said in the previous um, program, we learned about some of the really scary things that can happen to elders in the state of Nevada, noting the um, April Parks case. And this week, we're going to address the stages of transition from adult child to being the parent of the parent. And by the end of our program today, I hope my listeners will have a guideline about how to create better relationships with aging parents. Our guest today is a top producing realtor with Keller Williams in Northern California. He is an expert in online marketing, relocation, <coughs> investment properties, and before that, Paul was an international retail management for, in, for uh, Polo Ralph Lauren. Wish you kind of still did that, Paul, and Burberries of London. And no, he's not here to give us style tips for our geriatric patients and parents. Mr. Paul Chastain is with us today to share his successful experience with becoming a parent and a mentor to his mother in her life as it is now. And Paul, 
Welcome to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. It is an honor to have you as our guest. Good morning, Dr. Schieber. Thank you. Well, let's get right to it. Tell us a little bit about your family background and what it is like, what it was like growing up in your family. Um, well, I was fortunate. I was, uh, I'm very grateful to say I had a safe and loving childhood, and um, my mother and brother and father um, were very close. Um, raised in Seattle, Washington, by way of um, Frankfurt, Germany, Northern Virginia, and then California. Father worked for the government, so we traveled quite a bit. So a lot of travel and unique experiences as a child. Those really sound like fond, fond memories, and what is your family of origin like now? Well, let's see. Today my father has passed away. My mother lives locally. My brother lives in Ohio. My mother is a 92-year-old wheelchair-bound, 15-year stroke and cancer survivor who still goes shopping every week with her cousin. So, oh, survivor. She sounds <laughs> amazing. Oh, my goodness. And on topic here, how often do you visit your mom? I, mis I visit my mom once a week for about an hour. Uh, my brother calls in from Ohio about once a week. And does she know that when you're going to visit her? And I ask that because many of us receive constant calls from our elderly parents wanting to know when they'll come over to visit. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And yes, she does. Um, Probably my biggest lifestyle tip for family elder caregivers is scheduling. Um, after the initial transition, it's really helpful to work on a goal of a once-a-week visit. Um, and we just keep referring to that day as the day we'll take care of things or let's talk about that on Thursday or I'll bring that back to you on Thursday. And my brother might mention let's talk about it on Sunday when I call. So we've, we've kind of driven it to a a specific schedule. It's been very helpful uh, over the years. Oh, I can just imagine. Does she remember Thursdays the day? Yeah, does, so does what, she, what's that? Does she remember that Thursday's your day? She does, indeed. So it makes it every, easier for everyone to plan and uh, look forward to. Less stress uh, okay. and less loneliness. <laughs> Yes, it's something to look forward to every week. It is. It is. It, is. it really helps. Yeah. Really what activities so, do you do with her? So when I visit, um, I always start with an active listening period. I'll sit and listen to how things are going. You have to remember aging is not fun for anyone in the best environment. And so I'll just ask how she is, and I'll just listen. And a lot of times it's venting and reporting on things that aren't so great. Um, you just get good at hearing that and don't step on her thoughts and, and let her go for a while. And then we'll, we'll also talk about fun things. I'll bring photos of, the, of her great-grandsons, which will be two in May, and uh, you know, a special snack, something she can't get where she is um, in her location. I'll bring family news. That's always important. Um, and I recently began talking about her family history, which I didn't know as much about, and now we kind of have time to do that. So that's been an interesting part of our visits. I think that is absolutely fabulous, and here's why. Because um, geriatric therapy is mostly about listening to tales of the past, and it's so cathartic for our aging parents. And 
is living in the present world, like, okay, this is what I've got to do today, and this is what I've got to do for the kids. They're living in the past with memories, and it can be very boring to those of us who are in a hurry, but it is so important to listen to them. And also, I'll just share on a personal note, when I'm in the emergency department on duty, a lot of anxiety is caused by not having anybody to talk to with elderly folks. So having me come in and just sit there and listen can be very, very healing for them. So there, there's a, a tip for all of my guests with aging parents who are listening. I'm wondering, Paul, what was it like to transition from adult son to a metaphorical parent of your mom? Well, that's a really good term, um, a parent of your mom. And that's something you do realize over time, it really is that. Um, and I was initially just purely reacting to everything. I knew nothing. This was 16 years ago. And um, so there was information, but it wasn't quite as accessible. Suddenly I'm working with doctors around her cancer surgery, treatments, learning Medicare, Medi-Cal, wills, assets, DNRs, elder care facilities, everything on the fly, uh, three months of daily visits because she had quite a recuperation period. Um, then she had a stroke right at the end of her recuperation, so that kind of started everything over again. And we had a pull-the-plug decision at that point, and um, all the while I'm caring for, you know, my father, who she was caring for as her his main caregiver, uh, so, Paul, and was I'm, under I'm care with Alzheimer's. I'm hating to interrupt you, but we have a hard break coming up. Okay. And I, I want you to pick up where your dad was having, you're dealing with your dad with Alzheimer's. But for right now, we have to take a break on Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. We will be right back. And we're going to do a little something different this morning, and that's a couple of live breaks. One, as long as we're talking about elderly, I want to bring up the fact that America's Web Radio is the only station that we know about that does a weekly show about elderly abuse called Safe Senior Hour. It's every Monday at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. on America's Web Radio. It's hosted by a former federal agent. Joe Gavalis, and he does a wonderful job. His guests have been extraordinary. And um, we're out to be an advocate for el the elderly. And if you have someone that's been abused or you know of someone that's being abused and you don't know who to contact, contact us. Just send an email to safe at americaswebradio.com. That's safe at americaswebradio.com. Now, the next thing I want to talk to, and this is certainly aimed at uh, at everyone, actually, and that's a product called the Tornado Body Dryer. I'm having one installed in my home tomorrow. It does away with towels. It does away with the bending over and uh, trying to dry off here or dry off there, and it's great for folks like myself, the elderly, or anybody, actually, and uh, women love it because not only do they get dried off in three minutes, but also it takes care of the mildew and mold in your shower. It dries the water in your shower, thus you don't have the problem of having to clean your shower all the time with the, with the mold and mildew. That's Tornado Body Dryer, and it is a fantastic product. You're going to start seeing them in... Uh, your very popular five-star 
hotels very shortly. So with that being said, we're going to get back to Ann and her guest. We've started our music, and uh, we'll be back with Ann in just a moment. Welcome back to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. We are here with Paul Chastain, who is realtor extraordinaire, and he'll talk about that on another program. But I want to go back to this question, Paul, about what was it like to transition from adult son to the metaphorical parent of your mom. And before break, I had to interrupt you, and you were saying that you were dealing with cancer with your mom. And would you pick up where I had to break? Uh, right. About uh, your dad? Right, yeah. So she was also the primary caregiver for my father who had Alzheimer's. So it was kind of a a uh, a double duty at that point. And so the answer to your question, what was the transition like, was it really was learning everything on the fly, not knowing too much, um, and just having to get everything in order. Um, and the transition was completely exhausting. I really was not prepared for it. And... Um, would like to have known some of the things I know now uh, to go back to that day, but I'm grateful to say she's doing well 16 years uh, after the fact. So, Well, I cannot imagine what that must have been like. I was um, fortunate in some ways that uh, my parents died before I had to be the parent of the parent, so to speak. But, wow, I, how exhausting that must have been. And you said me in the past that elder care is usually reactive and not proactive. Would you explain this to us? I will. Uh, the transition to elder care is just, it's not traditionally planned. It's not a traditionally planned event like other life-changing events, such as having a child or weddings. And my wife had, <laughs> my wife had it said it best, really. She said, new moms have baby showers, but there are no showers for new elder caregivers. <laughs> Um, <laughs> at least not ones you want to be around, I suppose. Um, but <laughs> so you just assume the role. It just falls on you. And unfortunately, it's that reactive nature of elder care transition that causes most of the stress. And a, and a bit more knowledge and planning uh, can really alleviate that. Well, I want us to educate our listeners about some specific points that you've shared with me, and you've listed three steps to mitigate the challenges in making transitions for and with our elderly parents, and I'd like us to review those. The first one you talked about is preparation. Would you explain this for us? So the goal now, if I could talk to myself back then, <laughs> I would say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the goal is to move Elder care from being a burden to a blessing. How do I do that? Um, and it starts with preparation. The Being proactive versus reactive is the key. As early as possible, you begin to consider it, and you discuss elder care with your own spouse, partner. Um, talk to friends or relatives doing elder care that are involved with it now. What's it like? What are they doing? Get advice. Research it online. We, we're so lucky we have all this information online now. Um, imagine yourself as in a caregiver role right now, even if you are not. What would you do? Who, what, 
what would you do? What would your spouse or partner do? Who would who would have what role? Um, discuss what if scenarios. What if mom or dad were incapacitated right now? What are what are their resources? What can they do? Um, and if possible, discuss it before you're you're needed as a caregiver. And it's easy to say and sometimes hard to do. But the more you can do that, uh, the more prepared you are. The easier this whole thing will be for you. Well, I can't imagine those of us who are up in spry sitting down with our spouse or our other relatives saying, oh, let's get together and talk about preparation. But honestly, I'll let you comment in a second. I would really support you to turn off the football or the Warriors or whatever it is you're watching and plan to have this conversation because before talking to you, if I had parents, I wouldn't have had a clue what to do. And what were you going to say, Paul? Yeah, no, I was just going to agree with you. But you, you hit it. That's absolutely right. Yeah, who wants to do that? It's not a pleasant conversation. It's like, okay, it's, it's similar to the conversation of where are we going to be buried. So um, <laughs> right. it's true. Yeah. The second point you made is one that you called administration. Tell us what you mean by that. So the big picture for administration is just the finances, the assets of your parents um, or your your care receiver, whatever that might be, Um, insurance, uh, housing, what are the housing possibilities, transportation, incapacitation means transportation is going to change. What are the services? Uh, what are the care arrangements? Who can do what? Um, there are many different ways to do it that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, what financial resources do they have? And uh, what does their insurance cover? And who are their doctors is a big one to know. Boy, that's a big one. And there's, I bet there's nowhere on Google that you can go and go, okay, let's talk about preparation or administration or the next one we're going to talk about. This is all self-discovery for you, if I hear this correctly? It is. It it was, definitely. Yeah, so you're so kind to give us this outline. And the last item that you cited is called personal process. What's that? So the personal process will involve both you and the care receiver. So just stepping back and realizing once you're involved in this, this is a major lifestyle lifestyle change. It's not something that's going to go away or just get better quickly. Um, And with the transition to elder care, your life and your caregiver's life is about to change significantly. It is a significant mental and emotional change. Um, So if you reflect on it and understand that, you'll be more prepared. Okay. I'm going to review this for our listeners. Preparation administration, and personal process. So the three things we have to really do in making transitions for our elderly parents or relatives. Uh, do I have that right? You do. That's it. Okay. Boy, am I a good reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> I know that many of my patients have had very frustrating experiences with helping their elderly parents pay their bills, put their name on bank accounts and the like. Talk to us about finances, Paul. Do you have any advice for how to get our aging parents on board with our assistance in managing their finances? That is the big one, um, and it's not easy. Again, starting a conversation 
while the, the caregiver is healthy is the best way to do it, obviously. Using examples of family and friends, people involved with it, people they know and trust. Um, you know, talk. you need to talk about living trust, DNRs, access to elders' accounts. Um, bring your accountant into it. If you don't have an accountant, you're going into elder care, get one. You're going to need one. Um, they're a great source for referrals. Um, you can ask what they observe, you know, their clients do for successful planning and, and use these outside sources. That's a little easier to communicate that way in an objective way with, with your loved ones. Well, often there's a lot of resistance, and I'd like to know, what would you say to adult children who have parents who fear that their offspring will take all their money if they allow signatory privileges to manage their funds? This has been yeah. one that I've heard about over and over from my patients. Yeah, you do, and that's a tough one. And unfortunately, we didn't have that experience. But my instinct there, especially as a realtor professional, is, is to use professional third-party trust accounts, escrow accounts, legal assistance. There are inheritance attorney um, professionals, too, do a consultation. They, these people know. They go through this. They see those on their desk every day, all day. So use experience, outside experience. Set yourself up with some sort of contract. Um you know, that's the best way to do that. But you need legal and professional assistance on that. So when you said set yourself up with something, I missed what it was. With a title? Did you say a title company? Well, yeah, well, you can talk to you can talk to a, a title company or uh, talk about putting money in escrow um, in a third-party situation. Um, they don't just do it for real estate. They, they will do it for situations like this. You can uh, – attorneys will do that for um, divorces and whatnot. Um, if, if you feel like this is going to be a problem, you, you need to set up a third party to help you manage what's going on. And again, an inheritance attorney is probably a good place to start because these people are experienced with this and they know how this gets solved on a day-to-day -day basis. So let's operationalize this for a minute. So you go to, a, let's make it up, a title company and you sit uh -huh. down and then you have your parent transfer funds into an account held by the right. title company? Right. You can do that, and you can just create a contract, and, and the more detailed it is, uh, the better use that money will go to. Um, at this point, having an attorney help organizing it is, is a wise thing to do. I've heard friends that have done this. I didn't have to go through it, but it's a way to protect money and yet have it available at the same time. Um, and um, title companies also can help you with vesting and, you know, forms for wills. They're, 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 they're very equipped, so you don't necessarily have to just do attorneys with that. They'll know a lot about what's going on or know where to point you. Again, these people know they see this situation all the time. We don't. We, we, we're doing this once in our life, and they're, doing, they're dealing with people with these situations all the time. So attorneys and... Um, uh, professionals is the way to go there. I would never have thought to inquire about the services of a title company. That is an mm -hmm. entire new one on me. We're mm -hmm. coming up on a hard break, Paul. And when we come back, I want to ask you, so, okay, you put money in the title company. How do you get it out? All right, listeners, with that question hanging, we will be breaking for um, an, a few ads. And we will be coming back with Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio in a few moments. 
And I'm going to do the same thing that I did earlier in the break, and that is talk about the Tornado Body Dryer. If you're in your 60s or older, or you know someone is uh, that is that uh, is having problems taking a shower and then drying off, I suggest both for the shower and for the drying, go to www.tornadobodydryer. Not only do they have the equipment for drying after the shower, but they actually have a a piece of equipment that will give you a shower. And you say, well, why would I need that? Well, there are cases where a person just can't uh, physically wash themselves anymore like they used to when they got in the shower. And there is a... They do have a product that uh, sits in your shower and will give you a shower. So if if you know of someone or if you're in that position that you need to have a little help in the shower, I suggest highly that you go to Tornado, www.tornadobodydryer, and uh, their website will explain the uh, washer as well as the body dryer and it is fantastic for those that are in wheelchairs uh, any other problems uh, taking a shower uh, and drying particularly drying this answers them and uh, it is a fantastic product I've been looking at it and we are going to start uh, they will start being available in five star hotels so when you're uh going somewhere and uh, uh, whether you're in a wheelchair or not but you can ask when you make your reservations do you all have the body dryer and uh, you're better your five-star hotels will have them with that being said want to remind you to tune in every monday at 10 o'clock for joe gavales and the safe senior hour the only show weekly about elderly abuse and what can be done about it. And if you're in a situation or you know of someone that is, contact us at Safe at America's Web Radio, and we'll be glad to put you in with, we'll get you to the right place, or we'll have someone contact you. With that being said, we're going to start up the music and get back to Anne and Relationship Radio. Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. We are here with Paul Chastain talking about preparation, administration, and personal process and how to get prepared for aging parents and how to get prepared for becoming the parent of your parent. And before the break, Paul, we were talking about 
going to a title company to help us do this, I imagine it's a lot less expensive than going to an attorney. And so we put our funds in, and then my ending question was, how do you get them out? So this is all contracted. A title company, an escrow company, will only do what you tell them to do in writing clearly. So, for instance, if you have a... You're an investor and you want to collect rents. There are certain title companies that will do that long term. They'll hold the funds and then pay the funds out. Um, and divorce attorneys use escrows to solve and resolve and have payouts. So it's a similar kind of thing. You probably do need an attorney involved somewhere, though, to create a very specific set of directions as to what money goes where. Something goes somewhere monthly so it's available in an elder's account. It, it may go to a um, an assisted living uh, center. Um, you, you want to involve professionals in this, but um, that's the way you need to be thinking because you need a third party if the issue is fear of losing the money. And I would think that it would give uh, aging parents a lot of comfort to know that they can go to the title company with you or to the lawyer or the accountant and set this up and they will know where their money is going. Definitely. Yeah, they, they, you need the professionals to help you with that. There's no other way to really handle that internally. Yeah. So having been through this and going through this currently as we speak, Paul, would you explain some of the financial items that we need to be aware of as we help our parents or parents transition from independence to a more dependent lifestyle? One of the big ones is asset protection. Long-term care, should you need that, whether it's state, medical, whatever the, the new form of that is, or long-term private insurance, the assets of your care receiver will be absorbed by that entity unless you divest it uh, within a certain number of years before. And it's years. It's not months. Um, you can't just show up and, and have the needs and suddenly... Um, send the money into your family. That has to be done early, so you need to plan that. Um, and to do that, you need to, an accountant, and you need to understand um, liquidation of assets and gift tax ramifications. In our case, our parents' assets um, went to my brother and his wife, my wife and me, in a four-way split, and we did it with our accountant to protect us from tax ramifications and got it away from any potential insurer that would have taken it. Um, my father did end up using some long-term care, so it protected their assets. That's a big one to look into. Um, power of attorney is huge. Uh, you need to have uh, ability to do something. You know, Think of your care receiver as incapacitated. What do you do? Um, so you need um, power of attorney. And again, the title company can tell you the different types of specific powers of attorney uh, that you will need. So can the hospital. Um, and the good news is you can, you know, you can get access to bank accounts. You can become a signer on an account. Uh, that makes things a lot easier for you. Um, you know, if, you, if you're not having the, the problem we mentioned in the, in the former question, um, and there's trust uh, in your use of their funds, the good news is that you can do this beforehand. You don't have to wait. You can transition all this and plan it out early. Um, and um, you'll need really to have uh, the discussions about DNR agreements. Um, you need a file of medications, of insurance IDs, of doctor's names and contacts. You need a, a copy of a driver's license. 
visualize taking your parent to the emergency room right now. Would you know what you're doing? What, what do I need? Um, what would I do now if I had it to do over again? I'd walk into a, an emergency department well before I ever needed one and say, what do I need if I needed to bring my parent in here? And I would just make a list. And they're going to tell you exactly. You're going to need A, B, C, D, and E. And believe me, having a file of that before the emergency makes it a lot easier than trying to find it uh, on the fly. That is such fabulous advice because I work in an emergency department, as you know. And right. uh, you go to admissions, I guess, and say, what do I need? And right. they have everything right there, and then you could maybe say, give me a copy because I might need it soon. I think that's a great idea. How do you think grief and loss impact the parents and their adult children as these transitions are made? That's a great question. Um, and people might not think of grief as part of this process, but it, it definitely is. Grief is about loss, big loss. And so be aware um, both for the care receiver and the caregiver, there's loss that's going to happen here. And for the, for the parent or the care receiver, there's loss of control and loss of relevance. Okay, you're going into an assisted living center. Now you're not cooking your own food. Now you're not eating on your own schedule. Maybe you're being taken for transportation and you're not in control. You don't have a driver's license anymore. Control and, and then also relevance. You were the head of your family. You were making decisions. You were advising everyone, setting up colleges. You do none of that now. You are not relevant anymore. And that is, even for those of us who are not elder, just close your eyes and imagine losing those things. Um, that's a big deal in the life, and you have to respect it and, and slow down and realize that's happening. For the, for the caregiver, you are suddenly now burdened with, like you said, in another child. You are now you are now caring for another family member you weren't planning for. You're busy. You have a business. You have a, a, a job. You're taking care of your spouse. Um, you're doing the things you're doing, and suddenly now that time is gone. Whatever that free time was will be taken up, and so that's a loss for you. So that it's something to really respect uh, be concerned with and plan for mentally. And, and if you do, it's not so bad. But if you just let it hit you, um, it can be quite exhausting and, and less healthy. Yes, and, you know, as an aside, the loss of relevance is really huge. Uh, but there is a way to create an illusion of relevance. And I'll just submit this and ask for your, off the top of your head, response. I have found asking for advice from geriatric folks or patients, like what would you do in this situation, really creates relevance because uh, they, they suppose, and I'm going to go with that, that you're really listening to them and there is a lot of wisdom in our elderly. And sometimes they even come up with stuff that we would never have thought of from their own experience I think it makes them feel validated in some way. What do you think? No, that's a great point. Um, and, and another thing you can do is just recalibrate your response to what they do offer. In other words, 
my mom might offer things. She still, you know, she was blinded and paralyzed by a stroke, and she recovered, and she can see and wheel her chair, wheel herself in her wheelchair now. And she still reads, and she still cuts out clippings, and still has suggestions. Oftentimes, they're really not relevant in our lives, but we take interest in them. We we act on them. It, the point is not so much how valuable is it. The point is interacting and saying, you know what, I'm going to give that a try. I'm going to buy that. Let's go. Let's go with it and have fun with it. And just don't try and cut off things that seem not valuable to you. Go ahead and accept them. It's much easier. Um, yeah. And you know, and just and just you'll be surprised. It's more fun to engage in a positive way than just say no, we don't need that, or we haven't used that in years, or. Just go along with it and, and be supportive. And, and your idea also is, is really true. Um, just asking about how things were um, growing up and, and, and getting into that um, can give you some real advice because there are certain things in life that don't change. So, And, um, and Paul, just, I think everybody in the world needs a purpose, especially if you're elderly. And I had this really creative patient say to her dad, Dad, would you do me a big favor? He was in assisted living. He said, of course, if I can. And she said, I'm having a real difficult time clipping coupons, and I'm going to bring you some stuff that may have coupons in it. Would you mind looking through it and, and using your scissors to cut these out? And, and the dad was, like, so elated that he had a purpose and. He, um, his daughter had more coupons than she could ever use. <laughs> yeah. Had a per- yeah, like coupons for things that uh, that her 18-year-old would never need the diaper coupon. But she right. had it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he, he had a purpose. And honestly, it, it uh, expanded his attitude toward life. Yeah. And I would just quickly so, add, getting, getting into history really has is, is been a big deal recently for my mom. When you're when you're the child, um, you're 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 trying to get out of the house. When you're you've had kids, um, they're the grandparents of your kids. This is phase three. Now you have a chance to just talk to them and just sit down and go, "What was it like when you were a kid? What did you do?" And I recently learned that my mother lit, was listening during um, the broadcast of War, of War of the World. She actually remembers people being frightened of that radio show. <laughs> And I never knew that before. I never had time to talk to her about those kinds of things. So those are there, too, for you uh, to create a new relationship. And exactly. And I had such regret, Paul, that I didn't ask my dad about his family and the death of his dad when he was 17 years old and what it was like for him. It never occurred to me. And getting some of that family history would have been so valuable. I often wonder what my paternal granddad would have been like had I ever been able to meet him. So delve into that, and if you're, like, in your early 20s or 30s or even 40s, it may not seem so important, but in later life, knowing some of your history about people you have not met could be really um, gratifying to you. Um, Going back to this grief and loss thing, Paul, we are coming up on a hard break in about 30 seconds. When we come back, would you mind explaining the cycle of grief to our listeners? I think that um, our geriatric elderly 
folks in assisted living go through this or, or, or in other living situations go through this, and I think it's important for our listeners to know. So, listeners, we will be back to you in a few moments on Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. And uh, one more time, we're going to talk about the Tornado Body Dryer. And if you haven't checked it out, check it out at www.tornadobodydryer. <clears throat> I just got an email from a, a friend that, that heard us, and um, they checked it out, and uh, they want to know more. And if you uh, go online and tell them that uh, you heard about it from David, they'll give you a special discount, Tornado Body Dryer. It is it does away with towels, helps do away with mildew and all of the, you know, yuck in the, in the shower stall. And it dries you in three minutes, and you step out of the, you're warm, you stay in your warm shower. And uh, it's called a tornado because the way it works, you put it in the corner of your shower, and when you turn it on, it has a, very, a specially designed holes in the, in the tubing that uh, you, you install that the air blows out, hits the corner, and it m- circulates around you just like a tornado would. But it, it's not a hard blow or anything like that. It's a very warm, soothing, very comfortable feeling, a drying sensation, and uh, that's why we're promoting them. So uh, it's the Tornado Body Dryer. It'll show you it's uh, got a video and so forth. So Check that out, and then also, uh, again, I've sort of uh, turned this over to the uh, show because of the content of the show, and that's, I want to remind everybody that we have the only elderly abuse, weekly elderly abuse show called Safe Senior Hour, and we have an expert that does the show that's the host of the show, and he has some very, very special guests on, and uh, his name is Joe Gavales. He was... uh, he retired as a federal agent, and uh, I think you'll very much enjoy the so- show. So with that, we're going to get head back to Ann, Dr. Ann and her guests in just a couple of seconds. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. about how to prepare and help our aging parents. And, Paul, before the break, I wanted to ask you if you would explain the cycle of grief to our listeners. 
Uh, so five steps, classic steps. Um, there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And these are these are kind of well known as as you know, Doctor Schubert. Um, and these will apply to different people in different ways. But the denial part happens in the beginning. This can't be happening to me. Um, the anger is why me? Why is this happening to me? Both as a caregiver or a care receiver. Bargaining, maybe I can move my mom to Ohio and my brother can take care of her. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, that's not logical. And then there's depression. You get tired, you, you withdraw, you, you stop being very productive for a little while. You have to recognize that you might go through that. And finally, you accept, and then you move on with this new lifestyle. You embrace it and, and figure out how to put it together. So it's, it's just it's important to know those are there so you recognize them. And it's not linear. It's cyclical. Nope. Yep. So yep. In de- I'm curious, too, about in deciding where to place your mom so she could receive the care she needs, what did you learn? So the um, placement um, is categorical based on the care. So um, the facilities from most intensive to least, would, or, or least intensive to most intensive, let's go that way, First, you'll scale down to from, you know, a house to a condo or an elder community like Rossmore. Um, and I'm involved, involved with this quite a bit as a realtor. But the next level is assisted living, where you live in a communal environment. You're still independent. You have your own room or, or housing, but you're near everything, and there's a nurse on the premises. The next level where you need more intensive care is the board and care facilities, which are all around you, probably in your neighborhood. That's a 24-hour attention closer to you. It's usually a house that's been converted where someone can really look after somebody more intensely. From there, skilled nursing is just short of, of hospitalization where you're maybe healing from something, but you need nurses around um, 24 hours. Um, and then, of course, the hospital itself, and then uh, comfort care, you know, for end of life and hospice. So that that's kind of the range of care that um, are available. That's a huge range, and I'm curious about. Uh, there's so many choices here. How would you suggest that we find a reputable and kind place for our parents? And what tips would you give our, our listeners? Well, you can start. Online, of course, there are referral sources that are free to you. So they will refer a place. Um, They have relationships with these kinds of placement centers, particularly board and care and assisted living. Um, But that's only really after you know where you're going. Um, How do you get to know where you're going with your your loved one? What's the appropriate place to send them? Best way there, if I had it to do over again, I would have started with the hospital. I'd go in and visit a case manager at the hospital. They know so much. They're constantly sending people out to the appropriate place. They have lists, and they know based on what your your situation is what's appropriate. Skilled nursing care managers also, same thing. They know how to place people. They know where to go. They have the list. They also know a lot about insurance. They, they know everything there is to know about what Medicare covers. I would start there. I'd walk in and say, I don't have a need yet, but I have a lot of questions. And just start and there and let them show you what to do. And the person who works in the emergency department, the medical social workers are so knowledgeable. They know everything about this kind of thing. So if you decide to go into an emergency department, 
ask for the medical social worker, um, ask for a consultation, and I'm sure that they would be pleased to help you. I'm amazed. Right. Uh, my, my emergency department cubicle is right next to the medical social worker, and I learned so much. Uh, I want to ask you, what's your relationship like with your mom's care facility? you just pay well, bills, or do you know people? Oh, no. Uh, she is now in what we call the board and care, and it's excellent. So it's it's like a very close relationship. It's a it's an owner and a, almost like a family relationship. Um, it's excellent. It came with a lot of experience. We've been through all of those things I just mentioned uh, over, you know, 16 years, but um, it's very good now. I could I could dedicate an entire show to elder care facilities, and so <laughs> we could <laughs> well, we could talk about that all day. <laughs> well, good. Um, I'll have to have you back, and I know I'm having you back to talk about real estate and how to find a good realtor. But um, I, I'm also curious: Is your mom happy with your decision? She is. Um, there's a great balance now, and I want your listeners to be encouraged because we've talked about a lot of intense emotion and whatnot here, but. If you treat this right, um, you'll find it will work out. Um, you know, aging is not easy. It's never going to be easy for anyone. But after 16 years and, and surgeries and two pull-the-plug decisions, we have a healthy and happy balance to our lives now, a scheduled, uh, you know, visits. And um, so I just want your listeners to be encouraged. This does work with patients and planning and and um, and understanding how to how to go with it. Yeah, I think it's just such a kind way to interact. And your mom sounds amazing. And I'm wondering how your wife feels about the time you spend with your mom. That is a great question, and one that is often ignored because your partner is going through. You know, my wife goes through all of this with me, so all the emotions, all the hard work. But remember, she is not the immediate family. So she's kind of caring for two people. She's caring for me and for uh, my mother. So um, it's something to really respect and be careful of and make sure that you're checking in with how they're doing um, because uh, it's it's not easy for the partner. She lost her parents early, and um, so she's you know she's been wonderful and amazing. And uh, but do pay attention to that because it's easy to forget that your partner is going through all the the challenge as well. Well, I can just imagine if your wife didn't like your mom or her mother-in-law, that would be a whole different can of worms. We'll discuss that at another time. <laughs> I wanted to know if your adult children visit their grandmother on a schedule, or do they just drop in and surprise her? What happens there? It's it's more of a drop-in, and I've found that it's important not to pressure your children to be part of the formal caregiving, um, partly because I want them to have some energy left for me, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it's just really not fair. I mean, they have their own lives, and uh, so it's best to try and set this up, and, you know, the organization we've talked about and the understanding we've talked about it makes it easy for me to set it up and make it easy for them to come at certain times. And um, my son's into computers. He recently brought in an Echo, and she can't see very well. So now she can just call up music, and it's a great you know support from him. But he didn't have to be there every day to, to be supportive. So just be strategic with that, but be careful. Oh, my gosh. That is such a fabulous idea. 
something that's, that's vocally controlled, it yes. has more than one function because the echo can even tell you the weather. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. It's just great. She can call up old music she hasn't heard in years, and she doesn't have to touch a thing. So try it out. Oh, that's wonderful. And I just want to say to our listeners, we have no financial interest in Echo. <laughs> I wish we did. I was, I was wondering if I was supposed to say that in that time. <laughs> no, but we don't. So, how did you decide that your mom needed care? I know she had a I, stroke, but early on, how did you decide yeah. that? Well, she she needed um, cancer surgery, so it was mm-hmm. decided for me. It was a health event. It just came to us, and it fell to me, and so I had my dad to care for and her. So we were just on our way um, right from the get-go. There wasn't a decision so much for me to make. So that was the easy part. <laughs> yeah. And quickly, Paul, because we're almost at the end of our program, any advice about how to start a relocation conversation with one's elderly parents? Well, I would say as early as possible. Um, I know it's hard to do. Um, it represents a loss of control, but um, start the conversation while they're healthy. Um, use family and friends, if at all possible, family and friends that they respect and know that are involved with it. Bring them into the conversation. Um, get objective input. Get an accountant involved, if you possibly can, if they're using one. Get their advice. They'll know. Um, okay. You know, this is going to impact everybody, so... So start as early as you possibly can. And uh, you need to write a new book. Um, and I, I could have used Let's Make a Contract when I started out with my parents. That would have been a great idea. For... Well, listeners, if you have elderly parents, there will come a time when they are not able to live independently. Start planning now. Mr. Chastain has given you a guideline and some really great ideas about how to not have guilt and resentment negatively color your relationship with your elderly parents, and by the way, with your spouse or partner. Mr. Chastain, it's been a pleasure having you on this morning's program. You have provided all of us with such helpful information. And listeners, until next week, this is Dr. Ann reminding you that only you can create your life the way you want it to be. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.